But there's so much more wrapped up in a personal relationship with this Jesus, this King, this servant who came for you, who loves you so much that He came. He was humbled in human form. Guys, He was born in a thing that animals eat out of. He didn't have a place. They had to shove them there in the back. His beginnings were humble. Would you call him blessed or not blessed? If we look at the outside circumstances, other families could have passed by Joseph and Mary going into that little shed and thinking, oh shame, poor them, poor them. I'm sorry for them. Look at what the circumstances are. Meanwhile, she's giving birth to the Son of God who came to change the world. Welcome to the Love Key Church podcast, where we share our church's message of the week. My name is Heinz Winkler, and together with my wife, children, and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online, and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life, and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging, and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. Those who are visitors today, we've been doing a short series over this December month uh, called The Best News Ever. And it's all about how the news of Jesus was prophesied, and when it was prophesied back in the day, it was good news, the best news ever for them. And we spoke about how that news became came nearer as the angels came to Joseph and Mary and, and to the shepherds and said, the Messiah is, is coming now. And, and we have been hearing um, all of that. And so today, we first talked about how the king is coming, how, how Isaiah prophesied about the king that's coming. And then we, last week we spoke about how Isaiah uh, prophesied that the servant is coming and how Jesus is a servant who serves justice. And today we're going to look at the Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. Um, so our series has been focusing on the Messianic prophecies by Isaiah or Isaiah. I'm not sure exactly what the correct pronunciation is. Um, we saw... That Jesus is king, which means he's a ruler, one who reigns. And we saw that his rule consists of what we would understand in terms of the three branches of government. Some of you will know this. We have, in general, we've got the executive, the legislative, and the judiciary. And we saw that Jesus came to rule in all three of these aspects. And today we're going to look at a fourth aspect that I'm going to call social justice but I don't mean what the world means by social justice, and I'm hoping you'll see that today. Um, and then we, we looked at the servant and how he was the elect of God to come and serve, and we spoke about what, what, was, what did he come to serve? How did he come to serve? And we, we saw that when service is needed, it, it means something needs to be done. And that something that needs to be done there's normally someone who's unwilling or unable to fulfill that service. But Jesus was the only one who was able and willing to do what was needed to be done for us to be justified with God. Amen. So he came to serve justice and justice was served when he died on the cross and rose from the grave. All right. So today we're going to talk about the Messiah is here. I wanted to make it the Messiah is coming slash the Messiah is here, but it just gets a bit confusing. Um, some, I had a comment on social media when I said, when I posted the servant is coming and they said, the servant is here, man. You must read your Bible. <laughs> I'm like, please listen to the message, get the context and you'll understand. When Isaiah was prophesying, the king was still coming. The servant was still coming. But, and we spoke about how privileged we are to have the whole Bible available and we can sit in this dispensation of the church and be able to see the good news from the Old Testament right throughout the good news unfolding in the New Testament and then the church starting and then what follows. And we know the end from the beginning because God gave us revelation. We are very blessed. We are very grateful. 
So today, most of the world is celebrating some form of Christmas. In most places and in many ways, it's a holiday focused on very commercially driven things. And if you heard the songs and saw what's happening in shops, you'll know that many of it has very little, if anything, to do with Jesus Christ. In Christian circles, we can focus on the fact that Jesus was born. We can talk about Mary and Joseph's stories. We can talk about the shepherds, the wise men, how they fit into the picture, each of these stories. And I have done some of that last year and the year before. But this year, I believe God wants us to focus on the reason Jesus was born in the first place. The reason for the season, so to speak. And the reason that his birth is in fact good tidings. It is good news. In fact, it's the best news ever. Because that baby that was born in a manger grew up and changed the world forever. And today we'll focus on the third main part of the news that Isaiah shared 700 years before it unfolded. The Messiah is coming. Come on. We have looked at Jesus as the executive. We've looked at him as the legislature and the judiciary. And we have seen how Jesus came to serve the righteous justice of God. And today we're going to look at how he has come to heal, how he has come to make whole. And I'm going to call that social justice. And I hope that we'll understand what that means by the end of it together. I want to share a little story with you that also kind of hopefully help us to understand this whole thing. Our, our little daughter, our baby girl, who I'm not allowed to call a baby anymore. She's like, I'm not a baby. She is two, turning three in January, um, seems to be going on 13. <laughs> and uh, in this past week, there's been a few incidents of, of her will and our will as parents clashing a little bit. And she's at that stage where she's very adamant to do everything herself, even if she's never done it before. She's like, I've seen you do this. I can handle it. <laughs> and uh, so there's a lot of moments where you're like, I, wanna, I, want you, I want you to be independent. I love this independent thing. That's great. But first, let me show you how to light the fire. Uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> but she's convinced she can do it. And I, I think it's amazing. I see a feistiness. I see a, a leader in her. And I know she is one. Obviously, she also runs a lot. She plays a lot. And um, she's got three older brothers. So the, the house is quite busy. And there's many, many instances where I think the fact that she and my kids don't have more bruises and stuff is, a, is just God's grace. Um, and then, but there are those moments. So what happens in this scene is that sometimes her heart gets hurt. She... Maybe it's, it, she, there's a, a physical hurt that leads to crying and sadness. And other times, she's just not happy with what's happening. So she cries, expresses it very passionately. Um, and other times, it's just a bump or a bruise on the body, and it heals quickly. It's not, a, it's not an issue. But so as with Alana, all of us know what it's like to get hurt physically. And in our church family this year, there's been many injuries and operations uh, we've seen people go through some hectic stuff, but we've also seen God bring healing and wholeness and work through those tough times. And I know some are still trusting God for healing, and we stand with them. But all of us, I'm sure, know emotional pain as well. And maybe even that emotional pain led to psychological damage or hurt. And we know what it's like to be hurt, to be broken down. Many of us will know what loneliness feels like. And some of us will know what the darkness of addiction feels like and, what, and, the, and the, that terrible thing that guilt and shame produces in our lives. And all of that stuff weighs in on us. On top of that, we have all been traumatized to some extent by the craziness of global events, COVID and lockdowns and all these things. And we're bombarded with news. And we're not sure if it's fake or real. And, you know, if you read the news, you're misinformed. If you don't read the news, you're uninformed. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a conundrum. And then there's an overwhelming attack on God's original design for men, women, marriage, and family. And this attack seems 
unstoppable and relentless, and it's overwhelming. And we live in a sinful, broken world where the prince of the power of the air has a mandate to kill, steal, and destroy what? People. He's on a mission to make sure that all people reject God. And that his son, they also reject his son and his Holy Spirit. He was doing it in Isaiah's time. He was doing it in Jesus' time on the earth. And he's still doing it today. And one of his tactics is to hurt our souls and bodies to such an extent that we will, will not or cannot believe in a loving God and a Savior that can heal a broken heart or an ill body. If he can convince you that, hey, the Bible says this, but you're experiencing this, so God's not real, then he's one. Emotionally and physically, we've all been affected by personal pain and corporate catastrophes. And we have to deal with that somehow. But after all of that heaviness, I've got good news for you. In fact, I have the best news ever. The Messiah that Isaiah and many others said is coming, he has come. He was born to a virgin, adopted by Joseph into the line of King David. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among men. And one of his most important missions was to address these very things that we all face today. So let us dive into the Word of God. Have you ever seen in the Word of God that this is the first time as I was studying this that I saw this or that I picked up on it, let me put it that way. That the Word of God refers to Jesus as the holy arm of God. Listen to this, Isaiah 52 from verse 9. Break forth into joy. Sing together, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Jesus' name means Savior. I'm going to jump to Isaiah 53, verse 1 to 5. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? There we get it again. The arm of the Lord has been revealed. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of the ground. He has no form or comeliness. Listen to this. The Bible says that Jesus was not attractive to human standards, in human standards. And, we, we, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with, with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Did you hear that? He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. He came to do something for us, but we looked at the outside and we didn't get what was going on and we looked down on him and thought, no, he can't, cannot be the Savior. But, and this is the good part, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. We read here of a, save, a coming Savior who is the holy arm of the Lord himself. I actually love that because, you know, we talk about the long, long arm of the law. And we just heard that he's the servant of justice. He's the arm of God. I, I love this. That one's for free. Um, we read that he would be bruised so that many will be healed. We read in our first session, we read in our first session in Isaiah 9 how a child will be born, a son will be given for this very reason. And I love how all these things are coming together in the book of Isaiah. I want to read this again. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace, that which needed to be done for us to have peace, it was upon him. And by his stripes, the 39 lashes with flesh-tearing ropes and stuff 
was for our healing. Now, about 10 chapters later, in the same book of Isaiah, we read another amazing prophecy about our Messiah. The famous Isaiah 61, from verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn, to console who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Wow, what, a, what an amazing prophecy. Okay, now we're going to jump about 730 years into the future from when this was written. And we see the Son of Man, Jesus himself, who was born and raised, well, raised in Nazareth. It says in Luke chapter 4 from verse 16. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he was now about 30, this was his custom. He used to do this all the time. Do you remember when he got left behind by Joseph and Mary as a 12-year-old? Where was he? In the temple. Busy with his father's things. This was his custom to go into the, uh, the synagogue. He went in on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. Can you just imagine the confident poise of Jesus in this moment? Closing the book, sitting down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. But it only lasted for a moment because then familiarity kicked in and they said, is this not Joseph's son? And he suddenly went from the Messiah, maybe, to Oh, no, wait, it's the carpenter's boy. And we go on to read how they, okay, I have it in my notes. I'm not going to jump ahead. We read after this, this all happened, this moment where he read the scripture. It all happened after Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. The Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted Then he overcame the devil by speaking the word of God. It is written. He overcomes temptation. He overcomes the devil. He starts his ministry. And this is the first thing that he does. He says, this prophecy of Isaiah has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then he was rejected by them because they were offended by what he was saying. They didn't believe him because they knew him as Joseph's boy. And when he kept on telling them he is the Messiah, as he went on in that chapter of Luke, they got angry and they wanted to throw him off a cliff. And they got him to the point of the cliff, but the Bible just says that he passed through the midst of them and went his way. Because it wasn't his time and that wasn't the way. But you see that the good news, imagine sitting there, hearing that, and instead of getting excited, you get angry. So angry you want to kill the guy who's telling you, hey, I'm the Messiah. The one 
who is the gospel, the good news, was giving them the best news ever. But because of their familiarity with him, they couldn't receive the truth. Can you see that? I'm sure many in the synagogue that day were in need of healing. I'm sure many were mourning the death of a loved one. Some were struggling with fear. And although the answer was right in front of them, they couldn't receive it because he was not packaged in the way that they were expecting. And their view of him, because of his humble past among them, it marred their view of him. Can you see that? We should all pause and ask ourselves whether the story of Jesus has perhaps become too familiar to us. Cultural Christianity has this nasty habit of taking the awe, the wonder, the supernatural power of Jesus away when we hear the watered-down versions of the best news ever devoid of the Holy Spirit. Let us never become familiar with our Jesus. Let us never let the holy arm of the Lord become normal and everyday to us. Let us never push the truth off of a cliff because it offends our preconceived ideas and our cultural blinkers. Amen? Now, I want to read you another beautiful passage. We're going to see how Jesus himself, who has now already announced that the Isaiah prophecy has come true, that through his epic and well-known Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount, he pulls this all together. Are you ready? I'm not ready. I need a sip of water. Just give God a praise offering while I drink water. It's a very sad praise offering, but I thank you for the killing the awkward silence. Sorry, I've been struggling with a bit of a cold. Um, almost through it. All right. Recently, I had the privilege of being in Israel and going to the very spot where Jesus preached this message. And it's something to behold. And amazing to stand there and read it out loud. I wish I could give you that experience today. But uh, I want to, if you can, please go to Israel as soon as you can. All right. Matthew 5 from verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely, for my sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I've been telling you that on top of executive, legislative, and judiciary that I'm going to add social justice, the role of the Messiah. The challenging thing is that the modern-day definition of social justice is broadly that all people should have equality in terms of wealth, health, and privilege. And the way that that is perceived and campaigned for is a far cry from what it should be and the kind of social justice I believe Jesus came to establish. Instead of equality, our Savior focuses on restoration to our original spiritual design. He focuses on reconciliation with our Father in heaven. In other words, he is in the business of bringing our spirits and thereby our bodies and souls into alignment with the 
reality of heaven so that it can be lifted out of the reality on this earth. Our king, our servant leader, our Messiah was the fulfillment of the prophecy that who of a prophecy that he would preach good tidings to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, open prison doors to those who are bound, to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You remember that from Isaiah 61. And he did this by proclaiming, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the weak. So how do we bring this together? Um, Our Messiah, our Jesus, he came to help the poor, to comfort the mourners, to set the captives free. And then he preaches a message that those who fall under these descriptions are blessed. He did not come and wave a wand and instantly set captives free and healed broken hearts and made mourners feel no pain. No, because some of you are still sitting here with some pain. Some of you are still sitting here with disappointments. Am I wrong? So how does this link up? Isaiah says, the Messiah will do this. The Messiah comes. He says, this is fulfilled. Then he preaches the same words, but he said, you are blessed if you are these things. You see, if we don't understand certain pivotal kingdom things, we will make assumptions. And when our assumptions differ from what happens in reality, we will be disappointed. And disappointment leads to a false narrative of who God is. And a false narrative of who God is leads to a false narrative of who we are. And that's why the world looks the way it does. Because people don't know who God is. So they don't know who they are. So they start making up their own truths. You know, my truth is this, and my truth is that. There's one truth. Everything else is an opinion and a lie. If it's not in alignment with Jesus' word. Let me explain it to you this way. Let's say, like we did in the first session of this series, we read, the government will be upon his shoulders. That's what Isaiah says about Jesus. And you think upon hearing this the first time as a new convert, let's say you just came to Christ, you are reading the word, you are learning about Jesus, you read that the government's upon his shoulders, okay? This is amazing. Jesus is the answer to the political crisis in the world and in our nation. That is your assumption. But then you don't see practically the way you expect to see it. Why are these people still running our country? Jesus, I thought you said the government's on your shoulder. What's happening? Now there's disappointment, which leads to disillusionment, which leads to doubt, which leads to a lack of faith that can cause you to end up in a cultural Christian zone where the stories of the Bible are known and nice, but not a deep revelation of a reality upon which you base your life and your eternity. In the same way, some might read Isaiah 61 and want a Jesus that heals their hearts, frees them from prison, and helps them with their pain, both emotional and physical. But when they feel this Jesus has not performed as advertised, they are also hurt, jaded, and put off this good news thing. And to them, it's now fake news. And some proudly Minister the fake news of the gospel. So what do we need to understand when we read Isaiah with Matthew? We need to take our first and second session and those prophecies into account. And we need to look at how Jesus presented the kingdom that he came to establish and preached about. Remember, everywhere he went, he surprised, upset, and offended religious people. Everywhere he went. He was a rebel in their eyes. Why? Because he spoke what he he spoke, how he spoke, what he shared, and what he did did not line up 
with their expectations and assumptions of who the Messiah would be. The Jewish people were expecting this king on a chariot with a massive army to overcome and overtake the Romans because the Romans were oppressing them. Does anyone know what it feels like to have a government that you don't like? Asking for a friend. (laughs) So we can sort of feel the same way, right? I have been praying for this nation to change, but it's not changing. Why is Jesus not taking the government upon his shoulders? Now, I would love for you, if you haven't heard it yet, to go listen to the first session where we spoke about what is the government that Jesus has on his shoulders. And that's why we also have to hear all these things in context. So quickly, for those who are hearing this for the first time, the government that Jesus has on his shoulder, we saw from Scripture, is his own government, his kingdom, his heavenly spiritual kingdom, which he runs. And what he has established through his death, burial, and resurrection is that his church is the gateway, the entry point between this earth, this reality, this realm, and the heavenly realm. And I showed that very nicely from Scripture, so go back and listen to it. But we need to understand that his kingdom is a spiritual kingdom with eternal consequences. Maybe you've been sold a false good news that seemed at first great. You got saved. People told you, hey, give your life to Jesus and you'll be happy. And you were like, I'll sign up for that. Sounds good. I don't go to hell. I'm saved. I'm born again, heading to heaven. Come on. But upon further investigation and upon some life experience, you went like, this is not what I signed up for. I'm I'm like, I'm expected to die. And let go of my past and my sins and my, and my stuff that I thought was me. Or even worse, no one actually disciples you in that way. And you just go, this doesn't work for me. I'm going to get out of this one. Like, bought that shirt, wore it for a while. No, thank you. Because you thought it was a quick fix to your big problems. And that is not what Jesus came to be. He's not a microwave. He is the eternal God who wants a personal relationship with you. He's 100% in, but are you 100% in? I believe that what Holy Spirit wants us as Love Key Church to understand today is that this servant king came with a mission, and that was to introduce the kingdom of heaven In him as Messiah lies the answer to freedom, to healing, and to wholeness. But the way to this answer is different from what we may think or believe. Who of you feel like you are poor? Who of you feel like you are poor in spirit? Like I don't feel I'm strong or rich in my spirit. Who of you feel like you're mourning, you are sad, who, who do, of you feel you are meek in your life? You feel things are not the way it should be. Even though in the world's eyes and even though in your own eyes, you might feel these things are your reality. Jesus comes and he flips the script and he says to you, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed if you are these things. You are blessed if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You are blessed if you are merciful in a world that has no mercy. You are blessed when you are pure in heart, when the world around you is completely immoral and corrupted. You are blessed when you make peace, when everyone around you are greedy and selfish and will step on whoever to get wherever they want to be. And I can go on down that list. Jesus Christ ushered in a kingdom that with it brings freedom, liberty, healing, joy, and peace. But it's not a magic trick. It's not a lamp that you're going to rub and get the three wishes that you want. It is wrapped up in and inheritance of his magnificent kingdom that Jesus has established. 
He carries it on his shoulders and he is leading. You cannot enter the kingdom of God or see it unless you are born again. Jesus says in John 3 to Nicodemus, if you feel like you don't see it and if you feel like you aren't in it, it might be that you're not born again. If you are, tell me you are born again, but you still feel this way, it might be that you haven't really discovered the Jesus that the Bible speaks of, but some other counterfeit version. Or the hurts, the disappointments, the stuff that's happened to you in this life has brought you to a point where you are disillusioned and have lost your faith in the one who says, this is why I came. But I want to tell you, whatever you may be feeling and going through, when you take the Bible and you take your life and your reality and you decide my reality and what I'm feeling speaks louder than the word of God, then you are on a very dangerous path. Then you are falling for the devil's oldest trick, which is, yeah, did God really say? He didn't say that. He didn't mean that. Actually, this is the way you should be living. If at any point you choose to live the way you want according to your truth, you are serving yourself and by that you are serving the devil. It's that simple. There are only two kingdoms. You are either in God's kingdom serving him or you are outside of his kingdom serving the enemy. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of darkness. When you become part of this kingdom, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. Your spirit is regenerated and is now back to its original design, lined up with the image of the likeness of God. We spoke about that last week. No longer are you earthbound. You are seated in heavenly places. Whew. That is what happened at the rebirth. That is why it's so important to understand salvation. If you don't understand salvation, then you don't understand who you are and where you are seated. The Bible is very clear. You are seated in heavenly places. It says that you are in this world, but not... Oh, really? You know the scripture, but do you live the scripture? It says in Ephesians 1 that we have access to every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. How many of you have ever accessed every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places? Do you read Ephesians 1 and go, oh, that's nice, but you don't believe it? Because belief is followed by action. If you don't believe it, if you just think it's words on a, paper, on a piece of paper, it's never going to come alive to you and change your life. But if you read it humbly, eager to seek the kingdom of God, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, putting Him first, and saying, Holy Spirit, lead me as I read these words. Make it come alive to me. And as you meditate upon these words, it starts breaking open in your life. And you become the new creation even more. And step into that role even more. Because as the word washes you, Ephesians 5 says, the word washes us. We become more and more like we're supposed to be. And the opposite is true. If you don't wash yourself in the word, what will you do? You will start drifting back to how you used to be and how you used to think because that's what your mind is going to want to do. If we don't keep this thing set on Jesus Christ, this, like Peter when he walked on water, as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus and he responded to the word of Jesus to come, he could walk on water. The moment he turned his gaze from Jesus to the waves, to the wind, to the circumstances to the things that he had no control over fear set in and he sank and Jesus pulled him up he still saved him but he said to him why do you have such little faith Paul says in one of his letters he says I've learned to be content when it goes well and when it doesn't go well and he made a list like this of the stuff that went bad in his life for Jesus he was shipwrecked he was beaten multiple times, jailed multiple times. Some of his letters he wrote from jail, encouraging the body of Christ. 
we would look at Paul in jail, beaten and bruised and go, shame, poor guy. He's going, I'm blessed. Because Jesus said so. He came to set you free. But it might not be the way that you're expecting it. Many of us pray to some genie. Be honest. You're expecting a miracle to just fall out of the air. To be perfectly aligned with your will. But there's so much more wrapped up in a personal relationship with this Jesus, this King, this servant who came for you. Who loves you so much that he came. He was humbled in human form. Guys, he was born in a thing that animals eat out of. He didn't have a place. They had to shove them there in the back. His beginnings were humble. Would you call him blessed or not blessed? If we look at the outside circumstances, other families could have passed by Joseph and Mary going into that little shed and thinking, ooh, shame, poor them, poor them. I'm sorry for them. Look at what the circumstances are. Meanwhile, she's giving birth to the Son of God who came to change the world. Oh man, how I wish, how I wish every Christian could get this. Your circumstances are not the sign of where God is in your life. It is whether you have invited him in, given your life and said, I will walk by faith and not by sight with Jesus. If you are feeling any of the things that is mentioned there, know that the answer to being blessed despite the circumstances is in Jesus. It's in a relationship with him. How He says he gives the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many of you feel heavy? Anyone suffering with depression, anxiety, fear, any of those things? What should you do? Praise God. Praise God. Lift him up. You don't have to feel like you want to praise God. You have to start. You have to start praising Him. You have to start worshiping Him. Out of a choice, out of love for Him. I have done this many times. Every time I'm in a hole of some kind in my mind or my heart or whatever, or I'm frustrated or I'm fearful or I'm worried or intimidated by anything, I know I need to praise God. I don't want to praise him in that moment. I don't. Sometimes I'm even angry at him. Because why? I was disillusioned because I had an assumption about him. And I was wrong. But for a moment, pride crept in and I'm like, I'm right. How many of the men here that are married knows that doesn't go well? <laughs> I'm right. How many of you know that being right is not a fruit of the Spirit? And I had to humble myself before God and say, okay, God, you are king. I am not. You are the servant that came to, to heal my life, to change my life. I'm humbling myself before you. And I'm going to say, hallelujah, praise God. I give you all the glory. I give you all the honor. Thank you, Jesus, for this tough thing that I'm going through. Thank you, Jesus, that I get to be in this place. Thank you that you call me blessed despite what I'm feeling, despite what I'm going through. I am blessed why am i blessed because i have jesus because i'm filled with the holy spirit because even though i come from somewhere physical i know that i'm going somewhere spiritual and i'm already connected and i can bring that into this earth to people i can bring heaven to earth that's why i'm here if we can just get this jesus said i am leaving so that my Holy Spirit can come. So that you can be my witnesses of what? The good news, which is Jesus who came to set the captives free, heal the brokenhearted, all of joy, all that stuff. But how? Through relationship. Okay, let me put it to you this way. A while ago, we went through the fundamentals of our faith. 
And we spoke about what it means to be saved. Do you remember that? And we spoke about baptism and why are we baptized? Because we die to self. When we go under the water, our old man dies and we come alive in Christ and we are raised. Amen? Now, if you have truly died to the body and the soul that has all this baggage, but inside of you, your spirit is regenerated and is new and is going to heaven then to let this body and this soul stop you from living the life that God has for you is foolish. It, it, when your circumstances are so overwhelming and your thoughts are going to body, soul, this sucks, I, why is this happening to me, poor me, I'm mourning, I'm having a tough time, blah, 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 then you are meditating on the wrong thing. And we spoke about that as well, changing our thinking. We need to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When I think like Jesus about these things that I'm going through, I will be blessed because I will see it from a heavenly perspective. Are you getting this? Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let us close our eyes and just stand before our God for a moment and just be quiet. I want this word to really sink into each of us and become our reality. This is why Jesus came. This is why he was born. This is why he is our king. It's because he gave everything so we can have everything. He was bruised so we can be blessed. And being blessed means to operate from that heavenly identity that we get when we step into relationship with Him. So let us take a moment. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a while. You know Him well. But maybe you've reached that point where you're a little disillusioned. There's been just one too many disappointments because you... Was you thought God would do something, Jesus would do something specific, but He didn't, and He didn't do it the way that you wanted Him to do. And you reach the point of like, no, this can't be real. I want you to just take a moment now, just to just know that you're standing before Jesus right now, that His Holy Spirit is here. And as you reflect over these scriptures and over this word that was given, I want to ask you to just humble yourself and respond to the word. Take a moment and say, Jesus, I'm sorry that I've allowed feelings and circumstances to change the way that I read, trust, and believe your word. You never change, Lord, but I know I change and my world changes around me, but you remain the same. Lord, today I choose to align my thinking to the thinking of heaven, to the way of your kingdom. I repent of unbelief, of disbelief, and I step back into perfect alignment with you today. Come Holy Spirit. Fill me, strengthen me, renew my mind, bring clarity to the way I think about things, give me a heavenly perspective on my earthly circumstances, help me to know I am blessed when I'm in Jesus, and no matter what it may look like to the world, to myself I will live from my spirit man knowing that I'm in this world but I'm not from this world in Jesus name we pray Amen and Amen
Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God that will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.